Welcome to City Church. We are a biblically-based, relationally-driven, spirit-led church, encouraging everyone to follow Jesus, grow together, and serve others. We're excited to share this sermon with you today, and you can always find out more about us online at citychurchseville.com. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. City Church is a biblically-based, relationally-driven, spirit-led church that calls people to follow Jesus, grow together, and to serve others. For the past two years, we have focused on the kingdom of God. Two years ago, we asked the question, what is the kingdom of God? And all last year, we did one thing. We took a look at how do you live in the kingdom of God? And this year, we're going to continue the kingdom of God theme, but really the focus will be life in the spirit. And we're going to begin, and if you were here last Sunday, you know this, we're going to be utilizing spiritual disciplines to help us to be women and men that follow Jesus well. We've been utilizing a book as kind of the backdrop to the, a deeper understanding of the spiritual disciplines. We gave out hundreds of these at the end of last year, in the beginning of this year, it's Richard Foster's book that's entitled Celebration of Disciplines, and this morning's message, the sermon, is going to deal with the spiritual discipline of prayer, of prayer. Now, speaking of prayer, would you please stand with me? As we stand together, we're going to say the Lord's Prayer out loud together. And the reason why we do this every single Sunday is because if you want to know how to live in the kingdom of God, you take a look at what's called the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount is where Jesus casts a new vision for a new people, and he explains in depth what it looks like to live in this new kingdom. Now, in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus teaches us a prayer. And the prayer isn't just an example of how to pray. It's literally the prayer of the kingdom. If you are from a specific church, it might have been called the Our Father. Maybe a different church calls it the Lord's Prayer. But as we pray this prayer together, I want you to know you're literally praying the prayer of the kingdom of God that Jesus wants us to pray. So let's pray this prayer out loud together, and then we'll greet our neighbor. This then is how you should pray. Our Father, who is in heaven... Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth in Charlottesville as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Turn, give your neighbor a high five, fist bump, hug, handshake, greet each other, get to know someone new. So this morning's spiritual discipline is a focus on prayer. Jesus taught us this prayer. He said, this then is how you should pray. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth 
And then we add in Charlottesville, I'll get back to that in a moment, as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. There are nine personal pronouns. They're plural in that prayer. There are nine plural pronouns. And the prayer that's at the center of the kingdom of God, the Lord's Prayer, is trying to teach us that relationship is key. What's interesting to note in the Lord's Prayer, there is one thing that you and I are called to do, and that is to forgive, to be people who forgive. As a matter of fact, the text literally says, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. If you were to read the next verses after the Lord's Prayer, here's what Jesus said. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive you your sins. There is something that I have come to believe, and I've said it before, and I will say it again. Forgiveness is the currency of the kingdom of God, not love. Love is part of it. I'm not saying love doesn't count. But forgiveness is the currency of the kingdom of God. It's interesting to note that in the Lord's Prayer, we are called to be a forgiving people. And here's why. When you and I forgive, we partner with God in his kingdom coming in the world. When we refuse to forgive, we partner with darkness and we add chaos to the world. Forgiveness is the currency of the kingdom of God. Let me talk about forgiveness just for a moment. Forgiveness is not condoning what they did. Forgiveness is not saying what they did is okay. Forgiveness is saying what they did is no longer going to run, ruin, or negatively affect any part of my life. Forgiveness does not mean I will be back in relationship with that person. Forgiveness does mean that I am going to come to you, Jesus, and ask you to forgive me for the unforgiveness towards another person. Here's what I've experienced in my own life. I pray the Lord's Prayer three times a day. I'm going to get to why in just a moment. But what I've become convinced of in life is that if you are like I am, from when you wake up till about noon, you need to search your heart with forgiveness. And then from noon until about dinner time, be pretty good to search your heart for forgiveness again. And then before you curl up for a frightful, fitful night of sleep, it's probably a good idea to check your heart for forgiveness again. Again. 
I don't know how or why it works totally. But what I have found is when I come to Jesus and say, Jesus, I have harbored unforgiveness against that person in my life. And will you forgive me for that? Something miraculously happens. And here's what I think happens. I think when you make that choice, God says, that is a woman I can work with. That is a man I can partner with to see my kingdom come. Because so much of what Jesus has done for us focuses on the cross. And cross, the cross is about love. It's about sacrifice. It's about a whole lot of things. But one of the things all of us know that it's about, it's about forgiveness. And so Jesus comes into this world to usher forgiveness from God to humankind. And now God is asking me and you to be people who carry that forgiveness into our own hearts and then live it out towards others. Forgiveness is the currency of the kingdom of God. And when I stop and refuse to forgive, all of that circuitry stops. It ceases. And again, I know that the call for forgiveness is a very difficult one because people have had things that have happened to them that they would have never signed up for in life, not in a million years. And yet here you sit, or maybe you're worshiping with us online, and you know that unforgiveness is a huge part of your life. Here's the cautionary tale. Unforgiveness can keep you warm at night. Do you know how I know? I've done it. But I also know the freedom that happens when you come to Jesus, the one who was being tortured to death and looked in the eyes of the, his torturers and said, Father, forgive them. Forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Oh, they absolutely knew what they were doing. They were the best trained torturers on the face of the earth. They knew exactly what they were doing but they had no clue what it was really doing. Now, the Lord's Prayer brings us to forgiveness. And so I want to ask a simple pastoral question. And that is, do you have unforgiveness in your heart? Could you close your eyes this moment and picture a person, maybe even hear their voice and know that you have harbored unforgiveness. And always remember, forgiveness does not condone what they did. It does not say it's okay. It's just that you understand that whatever they did to you has carried itself much further and much deeper and longer. And God, through Christ, would love to set us free. This is a bold step. But if you feel is though you need to forgive someone and the Spirit of God is convicting you, I'm going to ask that you would stand. Stand into God's presence and no one around you is going to ask you who that is because there's a huge shot. It just might be them. So if there is a need to forgive, I would ask you to stand into God's presence. Let's just take a moment.
Now, the text says, if you will forgive others, God will forgive you. There are some of us here that need forgiveness for some sin in our lives. In other words, unforgiveness, that you can't, nothing in your spirit, but maybe in this moment there is a sin that you need to bring to Jesus. Again, no one's gonna poll you and ask you what it is. This is between you and God. But if there's a sin in your life you would like forgiveness for from God, I'm gonna ask now you to stand. Let's close our eyes in God's presence. Whoever that person is that you need to forgive, I'd like for you, in your own words, not out loud, just between you and God, just ask God that he would forgive you through Christ for having not forgiven them. If you have a sin in your life that you are asking God to forgive you for, I want to encourage you now to ask for God's forgiveness through Jesus. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth in Charlottesville as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who have trespassed against us. Jesus, I ask you that the miracle and the circuitry of forgiveness would be completely restored and the currency of the kingdom of God would flow freely in and through our lives. Please forgive us for the sins we've committed and the sin of unforgiveness. Do that miraculous transition, transaction again that is beyond our comprehension, and yet we're the benefactors of it. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. In the book that we're reading, the author writes the following in the celebration of discipline. To pray is to change. Prayer is the central avenue God uses to transform us. If we are unwilling to change, we will abandon prayer as a noticeable characteristic of our lives. Let me explain what that means in kind of relational terms. Here's my example. Don't tell Fran. That's my wife's name. Don't tell Fran. There have been certain times and certain subjects that I have avoided talking to her about because I would rather not hear what she has to say. How many of you married folks know what exactly what I'm talking about? You see, there are certain topics 
that I don't want to know Fran's opinion because I already know it. I just don't want to hear it. <laughs> Things like over the years, my wife has been amazing to me and she's a great critic of my preaching in a good way. Critic, by the way, or critique, and the classic term is a positive. It's not a negative. But there are times where we'll get in the car after church and we'll be driving and I will say to her, ah, what did you think of that sermon? She'll quietly answer, that wasn't one of your best. <laughs> right? And it, it I, ah, I knew it was coming, right? The idea here is, and I think that Foster's right. I think some of us avoid prayer because we know what God wants to talk to us about. We know. Here's the cool thing. He knows anyway. Right? So when it comes to prayer, I would encourage you to do what I've been doing recently and for the past several years. And that is really baking the Lord's prayer into the routine of my life. Truth of it is, I grew up never saying the Lord's prayer. The reason is, I think, is because some of the churches I raised in were so Protestant that they protested anything the high church did. Anything. And because of that, we never said the Lord's Prayer. We never looked at it. But over the years in pastoral ministry and becoming so convinced of the kingdom of God and knowing to the depths of my soul that the Lord's prayer is the prayer of the kingdom, I was forced for years to study it, like to really study the prayer. And so now I'm going to inflict some of my study on you for the next few moments. Here are some thoughts about the Lord's prayer, and I hope it encourages you to pray it. In the Jewish faith, Jesus' disciples prayed a prayer three times a day called the Shema. Jews do it to this day. By the way, the Jewish term or Hebrew word Shema simply means to listen or to hear. And the prayer they pray three times a day begins, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. Love the Lord your God with all your mind, heart, soul, and strength. And so it's fascinating to note that the Lord's Prayer shows up in the Gospel of Matthew, but it also shows up in the Gospel of Luke. And when it shows up in the Gospel of Luke, it's on the heels of the disciples asking Jesus a question. And the question is, hey, Jesus, will you teach us to pray? And anyone who knows, knows they knew how to pray. It's called the Shema. They know what prayer is. There's zero chance as Jewish young men, they didn't know how to pray. It's just that when they heard Jesus pray and they were around him and they saw prayer in the way it worked in his life, they realized they needed to be discipled or taught in prayer. And it's on the heels of that in the Gospel of Luke and in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount that Jesus brings out what we call the Lord's Prayer. And so by humbly knowing that Jewish people pray the Shema three times a day, that's where my commitment to pray the Lord's Prayer three times a day has come from. Now the prayer begins by saying, Our Father. And all biblical scholars are going to tell you the following thing. That our Father, that word Father is in Aramaic. 
And it's the Aramaic word Abba or Abba. It's what little children still call their dads in the Middle East and many parts of the Middle East today. They call them Abba or Abba. In English, it translates father. And what's interesting to note about the opening phrase of the kingdom of God prayer through Jesus is this. The Shema says, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God. But our father means that anyone who wants to call God their father can pray. This is a prayer for anyone. You don't have to say, oh my, oh Israel. No, in the kingdom of God, the prayer is our father. Our father. And the fact that it's written in Aramaic is huge because there would, there would be those in many religions that say you must speak a certain language or pray in a certain language or read the text in a certain language in order to really worship the God. Things like this. The Quran is only ever written in Arabic. It must be read in Arabic. Why? That's God's language. There are some of the Jewish faith, they say all of their prayers in Hebrew. There are some in the Christian faith, they pray all of their prayers in Latin because they believe that's the God language. What I want to tell you is, is that when Jesus announces that the kingdom prayer, and he uses Abba, the Aramaic word for father, everyone would have looked up. There's no longer a language you can speak in yours. Aramaic, by the way, is an amalgamation of Hebrew and Greek and other languages of the time. And so all of a sudden, at the beginning of the prayer, there's this huge invitation for anyone to come and pray and be a part of the kingdom prayer. The next phrase that Jesus brings in his prayer is this, your kingdom come, your will be done. And the obvious is, not my will, his. Now, one of the people that mentored me in prayer had a phrase, and I wish I'd never heard it. Here's the pray, phrase. You are part of the answer to every prayer that you pray. I can't stand that. And here's why. I love what I call grenade prayers. You just kind of lob them over the wall and God go do your thing and I'm going to sit over here and watch the Green Bay Packers win today at 4.15 in the afternoon. That's going to be my afternoon. Please pray for the Packers, by the way. I just wanted, they need it bad. Anyway, but the idea here is, is that suddenly the Lord's prayer begins to say, oh, no, 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 no. His kingdom come and his will be done and you're called to partner with that. That's the purpose of your life. That's the purpose of mine, is to partner with God in seeing his kingdom come and his will be done on earth in Charlottesville as it is in heaven. Here's why we add in Charlottesville, because it's immediate, it's filled with expectation, and we believe that God literally wants to do it now. The God's prayer, the kingdom prayer, the Lord's prayer, is not a prayer grenade. It's a prayer that begins to govern my life. And then it goes on to say, give us today our daily bread. I'm gonna tell you what that means. You see, in the ancient world, daily bread means that you have enough. You have enough, not your wants, but your needs. 
Daily bread is the idea in the ancient world that bread was the basic sustenance of life. By the way, just so you know, those that like to go a little deeper in Scripture, the word for daily word or daily bread in Greek is epiuson. We have no idea really what it means. Honestly, there's wonderful guesses by looking at manuscripts from the 200s and 300s, and most have daily bread. But epiuson, that Greek word, is only found in the Lord's Prayer in the Bible. It's not found anywhere else in any Greek literature. There are some that actually say it means give us today tomorrow's bread or give us today the bread that never runs out. You know what that is about? It's about anxiety, just so you know. It's about the fear of not having enough or the fear of not being enough. It's the part of the Lord's Prayer that we're called to pray three times a day that if I stop and I pray it and I get to this phrase, give us today our daily bread. It's a simple way of saying, why am I anxious? Why do I have anxiety? Why do I have these fears? Why is this thing burdening me and weighing me down? Why is that? Why? And so what I would like for us to do is because some of us here have lived with grinding anxiety day in and day out. And the Lord's Prayer, right there in the middle, says, give us today our what? Daily bread. It's, it's a prayer of saying, God, I am anxious I'm, I'm scared that there won't be enough. I'm scared that I won't be enough. It's all about anxiety. I'm going to do it again. If you feel like anxiety is something that you're wrestling with, and no one's going to pull you about what makes you anxious, but if you know you wrestle with anxiety, and anxiety maybe even just recently, has gotten the better of you. And you know that it is. I would like you to just simply stand in God's presence. Go ahead and stand. Let's take a moment to close our eyes. As we put feet to our faith with this message, some have stood for forgiveness, not forgiving others. Some stood to find forgiveness through Jesus. But some of us are now standing because we really struggle with having enough and being enough. Give us today tomorrow's bread. Give us today the epiuson bread, the bread that will never run out. And so as we stand into God's presence for those of us that struggle with anxiety, if you're comfortable doing this, no one's looking around, eyes are closed, if you would close your eyes and just kind of put your palms up out in front of you,
as a sign of humility and surrender and receptivity to God. What I'd like for you to do as you do that is in your heart, place in your hands that thing or that phrase or that voice that causes the crippling anxiety, that fear-based way of living, just place it in your hands. And as you do that, I'd like you to ask Jesus if he would be enough, that he would be your daily bread. The bread that will never run out. That God the Father will be the one that will supply all of your needs. That you can live free of the weight and the burden and the anxiety of that. Because your Heavenly Father cares for you. Not negating that this anxiety can touch people up in years. But if you are younger and you're starting to get your traction in life, I can't overstress enough the importance of learning to do this now. Of bringing the anxiety and the cares of your life to God and being disciplined to bring them and then to leave them with him. So as we're standing together and we close out our time, as we hold our hands in front of us. And now if the rest of us would join those who are standing. Let's say the Our Father together with our eyes closed and our hearts open. If you know it, say it out loud with eyes closed and hearts open. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth in Charlottesville as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one.